In today's episode, I'll be sharing with you how to recover from a terrible introduction on stage where nobody's even clapping as your name gets read out. Also, how to profile and get the most out of audiences, everything from a boardroom up to being a packed and sold out theater. I'll be talking to you about what it is you need to do to get a win out of every event and also answering your questions during our Q&A session. All this and more coming up in today's episode of Speak On Stage. Hi, I'm Dave Crane, an ex-BBC journalist who transforms decision makers and business owners who are feeling unknown and scared to speak on stage into highly respected and branded industry experts who are frequently getting offered five, six and even seven figure contracts to do exactly what they did before. During the pandemic, I lost everything except the belief that like me, the world is full of frustrated leaders and game changers with untapped potential and brilliant ideas who felt time was always against them because they were worth much, much more and just needed help to learn to jump and grow wings on the way down. And so that's what I do. I help create industry icons. Imagine being in constant demand, headhunted and interviewed because you are the visionary whose life purpose and passion are aligned. So every single day you wake up smiling, truly happy, only doing what you want, when you want and having plenty of time to spend with those you love. I created the Industry Icon Program to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step -step strategies to help you to fly. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to create a business that makes an impact and a life worth living, it's an honor to be serving you. And now it's your turn to build a legacy. So let's get started. We need to talk. This is your time to become an industry icon. Welcome back, it's really exciting to have you here. I'd like to share with you the fact that today's episode is more like a part two to episode um, seven, which was the last one. Why is it, Dave? What do you mean a part two? Well, well welcome to speak on stage, first of all, as I mentioned before. This is me, Dave Craig. Um, but also the fact that I try and keep the episodes to be as tight as I possibly can, round about the 30 minute, 35 minute mark to make sure that I don't over, overstay my welcome, which is an important part of creating a great relationship with everybody. If you don't know how long the show is going to go on for, then at some point you're going to go, oh, I'll leave it and you'll move on. Deliberately, I keep it to about this. And I realized that the, the last uh, session, I had so much material to go through. I didn't want to jump through it very quickly and... Uh, just water down the impact it was going to have. I wanted to give it the amount of knowledge and the amount of expertise that you really need to be able to get the best out of it. And so that's why I've created it into two parts, kind of. So don't worry if some of the stuff seems like you familiar and you remember it from before. Uh, there's a very good reason why, because uh, I may go over some bits again, just to get the positioning right so you understand what's coming next in it. So today's episode number eight is how to win over every audience how to profile them and also turn that into a win. The, the agenda is quite simple. Again, how to own your own speaking space. 
Now, the speaking space can be a stage, it can be online, it can be a podcast, it could even be seen as speaking. Let, let me just put this in perspective. Your speaking space could actually be what you post online in your social media. So everyone knows that when it comes up in your LinkedIn or your, your Instagram profile or your YouTube channel, that's your space, it's your platform, it's your area of expertise. And so your voice comes out through what you put in your pictures, your images, your surveys, your tests, the testimonials, the people that you interview or things that you share. It's your voice that delivers it. And even if you don't do it like that, you say, well, I just thought it was interesting. It doesn't matter. You might not know it, but people are saying, oh, look, that's come from Dave Crane. Therefore, it's endorsed by Dave. Unless I specifically say it's not endorsed by me, but I want to share it with you, they're still going to think it's endorsed by me. And even if I say I don't endorse this, but I wanted to share, but saying it's shared by Dave. So therefore, it's endorsed. So when you find your voice and you think about owning your stage, the trick is don't put out anything you're not going to take ownership of because people will assume that you had anyway, regardless. Does that make sense? Okay, good. So next up, we're going to be looking at what if your intro goes wrong? I've got a classic example I wanted to share with you that still makes me chuckle today about a gig, a big gig I did um, in front of hundreds of people. And I won't spoil it. You're going to see it coming up in a few months' time. If you're on the podcast, by the way, and you're listening to it, then you'll still get what's going on, but it won't be as gorgeous as it is to look at my wonderful face. Have a look at my face in all the technical you could ever want. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Don't you wish you were on a podcast and only listening? Don't say that. That's very, not very nice of you to say. Okay, so what if your intro goes wrong? We need to know about that. Also, what is my audience thinking? We're going to continue what we were talking about before. Last episode, we went through a certain number of different scenarios. We're going to continue that because I want to make sure you've got as much as you need to be able to step onto a stage anywhere and deliver what you need to say. Also, how to turn that into a win because ultimately as a speaker, if you don't win, you've not done what you delivered or not done what you were hired to do in the first place. And last but not least, answering your questions and keep them coming, by the way. I always find them fascinating to find out the things that you get challenged on because I've been speaking now for about 50 years. Yes, I know. Uh, since I was very, very small on stage. Uh, I know I look young. Um, but that's only in my own head. I'm sure I don't. But the point is, things that I don't think about, that's one of the reasons that people don't get up to speak because they're thinking, no, 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 I don't want to know what happens if a projector goes wrong. I'm thinking about what if an audience is staring at me or what if I forget what to say? Forget all the technical stuff. I'm not even there yet. So it's important that you share with me your Q&As and so therefore I can, I can go back to basics. It's very important to deliver to you what you need. Otherwise, it's just a guy talking about how great he is. And uh, that's clearly not what I'm here for. I'm here for you, and that's the bottom line. So with that in mind, uh, as I'm saying I'm here for you, here's your chance to get a free gift. It also gets you into the Game Changers to let you know about that in a future episode. The Game Changers is my global community. It's a membership community of people who are big hitters and decision makers who are all helping each other to be able to grow even bigger. Now, if you want to get a copy of our book, which is uh, the top... 10 killer strategies guaranteed to fast track your career then just get this QR code as I've mentioned before you can take a screenshot and click on the screenshot with your fingers uh, and it should open up uh, the web page when you just register and you'll have the, the book in what 30 seconds or so like that the book itself the 10 killer strategies 
includes how to get over fear of public speaking, how to get over imposter syndrome, how to create viral content, how to do well on LinkedIn, um, how to create a brand, a personal brand, and also how to create a personal brand when the company turns around and says you shouldn't be doing it, you work for the company, you're not allowed to post anything if it has nothing to do with us. I'll give you a little hint about how to get around that. I know companies are saying, Dave, don't tell them, but I'm working for all of you, by the way. And by the way, uh, parents, (laughs) it's just Freudian there, employers, If you're thinking, don't tell them this, they work for us. That's exactly why we have these challenges with a great resignation straight after the pandemic and during, followed by quietly quitting, and why people talk about being quietly fired. There's an issue there about the relationship that people have with their employer. And it's a worldwide thing. Look at the remote workers. Look at the people who are going to start side hustles and turn them into main hustles, and also the amount of um, of digital nomads that are popping up across the globe. That's not by accident. It goes back to the point I was just making there about you telling them what they should and shouldn't do. And if you're an employer, then this is very useful for you as well because once you've got this in mind, you'll understand what your clients are thinking, what your customers are thinking, what your staff are thinking, and also be able to use this as a way of getting them to stay with you, build up customer loyalty, build up staff retention better, and also feel that you're doing less work for more effort from your team. Because right now, the old way of saying you must work all the hours and having a get-together tonight, you must go, that's not working. People are doing what their job description is and no more. So if you want to get more out of them, then you've got to get to where they are and this will really help. So there you go. The answer to the question, by the way, is uh, if you want to do branding and you can told by the company you can't do it, you do branding about the subjects that the company's interested in and they kind of go, oh, that was good initiative, I like it, and your brand still carries with it. There you go. More, nine more in this book, so get hold of that. Okay, so uh, the Industry Icon program is what I work with. Uh, I have people all around the world that I started connecting with during the pandemic. Initially, I showed people how to speak with, and I helped them to create their personal brand, and also to position themselves as a high achiever and thought leader in their niche and in their industry. And it's really, really effective and powerful for being able to create an impact and also stay in your lane. So you get seen by everybody as the best at what you do, not just because you're good looking or you're smart or you're funny, that only lasts for people's patience to run out. But if you're brilliant at what you do, you need to publicize that, get it out there, and people ultimately want to do more business with you. When we do more business, it means your revenue goes up, more opportunities, and the chance to connect and help more people. Does that make sense? Are you with me so far? I hope so. Okay, so ultimately, all the things we talk about, and I've also been asked, Dave, the subtitles. We love the subtitles, can you make them bigger? And the answer is yes. So, oh, excuse me for, for, for just taking a moment there. My dogs come into my office all the time. I've got two huge dogs, two shepherds, uh, one Swiss and one Belgian. Ash and Snow, you might have seen them before. But every now and again, I get a hair in my drink. And that's what I had there, a hair in my drink. Don't ask me how it got there. It must have floated. But I did go and give them biscuits before we started today's session because I wanted to make sure that they left me alone, satisfied, because otherwise they'd go to the door, they open the door, they come in this office, and they just stare at me in a kind of like, they don't make the noise, but the noise would go, if they wanted the biscuits, which they clearly do, which is why they're there. So I fed them earlier, gave them the biscuits, pat on the head, they go back to their comatose state of just sleeping, waiting for the next meal time, and I realized that I had a hair in my drink. You didn't need to know that, did you? Excuse me. Hairs have gone. Amazing. 
Okay, so your clients are trying to work out exactly who you are, where you are, and what you do to make their headache disappear. Uh, the subtitles, by the way, are here to help you with the presentation, so you'll be able to read it wherever you are. If you're finding out the subtitles are too small, get your phone and bring it closer to your face. I'll put it on a big screen. It's not going to get bigger than this. But uh, this diagram shows you about the industry outcome program, how to fix the headaches of your clients, and what you need to be able to do, creating certainty, social proof, talking about your marketing and your niche, so you become the best choice, and then you've got to learn to sell that to your client. We go on about that all about the branding, but also the more you can speak, the faster it creates that relationship with your particular clients. And that can all come together, and I'll show you how. So here's a thing I wanted to share. Here's me being introduced at an amazing event. Now, this event I loved. It was uh, the on-stage, um, it was the World HR Congress in India, where some of the biggest players in the HR space come together from right across the world. And it's a really well-run event. Um, there's thousands of people. It's really exciting. You get to connect and get lots of business. And it's in Mumbai. And I loved it. And we took a load of speakers over from around the world, from the US and UK and Middle East and so on. And we had an amazing couple of days there. Now the challenge is, when you go to go on stage, not everybody's going to introduce you the same way. And now the guy who brought me on stage is a lovely gentleman. The challenge for him was he's running a three-day conference and he's got speakers coming on every 15, 20 minutes. Not all of them have got presentations ready. Not all of them have even turned up because sometimes they go wandering about and they you know, go to the bathroom. They've got to log in and come and see him, which is one of the key things you have to do whenever you go to an event. Make sure that all the decision makers know you're here and make sure the queue to come on is in place. Sometimes it's something to read, sometimes it's not. Now in this particular case, I could tell he was getting stressed. He'd done an amazing job all the way through. But when it came to me, he didn't have a great intro to me. It was just like, all right, okay, you're next. Can you get on stage? Now, I prepare everything just right. I need to make sure that when I go on stage, I've got everything the way it should be. So before I go on stage, I have a special presentation ready, just in case the person bringing me on hasn't quite done it the justice that I needed it to have. Now, here's a caveat for me. If I am brought on stage properly, I won't play this presentation. I'll just go straight into the content. But in this case, as you'll see, if I'm facing a bit of a challenge, then maybe I have to step up. This is what happened. For 30 minutes, so we have Mr. Dev Quen. He's from uh, Dubai, and he's going to talk on the future leader. Dev, uh, over to you, and uh, presentation is just getting ready. So you can take the stage. Thank you so much, my It's not on yet, so oh, I'll just wait until we're plugged in, and then we're good to go. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's it. In 30 seconds, let's do that again. Ladies and gentlemen, I've hosted over a thousand events. And there's nothing more exciting or nerve-wracking than getting to introduce one of the best in the business. He's an award-winning international motivational speaker and coach. He's worked with celebrities like James Brown and Bruce Willis. And I'm Jack Canfield. And I'm Brian Tracy. And I'm John Gray. I'm Jared Robbins. And I'm Perry Marshall. Hi, I'm George Regan. audiences of over 1 billion people. He's sharing how to become unstoppable in business. It's my honor to introduce to you, Dave Crane. 
excellent. We've got a lot to get through today, and it does need some audience participation. There you go. As I said, I wanted to take caveat to say it was an amazing event and the, the guy bringing me on had a lot of challenges to deal with. Uh, but the point is that when you go onto a stage, you want to be given the very best intro that you can get. And if you don't get it, then you have to make it for yourself. But in a future episode, I'll tell you exactly what to write to hand over to the person that's going to introduce you on stage to guarantee that you get the very best. And if you're wondering what it is, Dave, yeah, what do I write? What do I write? I'll go through it properly and explain it. But you need to have your name. You need to have three things you need to have first of all your name okay just write it down you have your name let me just start again if you just get a bit of paper let me share with you exactly what you need to have to be able to be introduced on stage first thing is your name and designation second thing is uh, something from your bragging rights what it is that you've done that's significant to the people in the audience like you're the first person to create this or you've been in the industry 20 years or you've done it all around the world and you've had an impact and, and saved money and made money for people and blah 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 and the third thing is what is it that you're going to share with them it could be the title of your presentation or it could just be the impact that the presentation will have for them that's going to be a benefit for them afterwards those three things write them down bullet point them doesn't matter and that's how you should be brought on stage every time and if you're a host then that's what you need to get to be able to bring people on stage forget the wikipedia page forget all the other stuff uh those three things are the only thing the audience is thinking because they're thinking what's in it for me there you go it was a freebie i wasn't even going to tell you that see you look after you on my show it's good isn't it it's all right. So if you're enjoying this, by the way, follow me on the social media platforms and subscribe, especially on YouTube as well. Uh, Dave Crane Dubai on YouTube. Uh, if, by the way, if you are following this, you might be watching the, the TV show live, which is great, broadcasting live across LinkedIn and uh, Facebook and uh, YouTube. Or you might be listening to me on the podcast. As always, I apologize. The podcast is very useful, but sometimes it's videos like that one there, which I think you kind of could follow. So I think you probably got everything I was talking about, but if not, then uh, it was good. <laughs> I have a QR code. He's saying, where's that? It will be in the comment section. I'll leave it for you there so you can find it there as well. If not, just go to speakonstage.com and you'll get it. Okay? See, we aim to please. Right, moving on then, knowing your space, knowing your objectives. Owning your space is very simple. You need to know, first of all, what you're doing there. What are my objectives for being on stage? Work that out from the very beginning. Then know your material. So like there, I was able to put on a video before I started because I knew that first slide had a video to play just in case. Know your timing so you're never late. You don't overstay your welcome. The worst thing that any presenter or any speaker can do, and I promise you this, it will get you banned from gigs because all the event uh, organizers talk to each other. If you overstay your welcome by another 15 minutes because it's working really well, nobody want to hire you again. Why? Because you're not the only thing on stage. There's other people. Many people have paid for stuff. And if suddenly it goes on until half past four, half past five, half past six, and everyone's going to leave at five to go home, there'll be an empty auditorium before the main speaker comes on at the very end, and the sponsors won't manage to get their thing across because you went on too long. That's why it's got to be timed and specific, and you should know what those timings are. Okay, what could go wrong and how to fix it? You need to be able to work that through in your head before you start speaking, and it saves you a load of headaches. I know I haven't gone through them all very, apart from quite quickly. In future episodes, we will go through them, or send me a question if there's one in particular that you're worried about. Now, I've mentioned before that great speakers profile and understand their audiences. And you've got to think, what is my audience thinking? Now, we went through in episode seven about one-to-one -one meetings. We also talked about what a hybrid meeting looks like and also what happens when you do a Zoom call. 
and a Zoom or Teams or Meet session, uh, when you're online, what's the relationship with the audience and what are they thinking? And what I wanna do now is start with talking about what happens in a boardroom setting. So you're in a boardroom setting and you've got all these people staring at you, you're the boss or you're the speaker, Sometimes what you're doing is you're talking on uh, into your laptop, but the laptop is on um, the um, LED screen at the back of the room or a projector and everyone's watching it as you do it. The only thing that matters ultimately is what's in it for them. Let me share with you exactly how that pans out. So what are they thinking? They're thinking, what's in it for me? What am I doing in this room? What am I going to get out of this whole thing? I'm leaving myself exposed to other people. And I don't like that. Next question they're gonna think is, what's the group dynamic? Is there somebody more important than me? Should I be asking questions? Should I not be asking questions? Is there a ringer in here? Is there somebody in here who's gonna be promoted and I don't know about it? Or is there somebody in here who's gonna leave and I don't know about it? Am I forming the wrong alliances? Now this sounds paranoid, but if you're in a corporate um, industry, you're always thinking about things like this, especially if it's a regional meeting or really high-powered meetings. You don't know what other people are doing with the boss and with the with the board of directors um, before you start the conversations going in this particular meeting. Next question is this: Am I fitting in well? Stuff I'm sharing. Is that good? Is it not good? Are people enjoying it? Am I fitting in also amongst the people where I'm sitting? You know, if I'm sitting right next to the boss, people are going to look at me and go, why are you sitting next to the boss? You're new to the company. Are you already seen as their right-hand man or right-hand woman? So am I fitting well with the dynamics of the people in the room? And also, as you're going and working all these things in your head, you're also thinking and listening to everything that people have said. You've got to pick up on it. Sometimes you want to ask questions about it, but sometimes you just want to know and make mental notes that things are changing in the future, and so I need to keep an eye out for what those changes are going to be. Did I hear that right? And if I didn't hear it right, do I have to ask them to say it again to make sure I did get it right? Then you've got to ask what's next for me. Do I then actually make a point of asking a question? Or should I be leaving this organization? Or should I be talking to the boss directly? Because one of the things that's so important is who do I trust? Now, I know in every company you should trust your colleagues because you've had lots of time working with them, but this is a real world. Sometimes you've got to keep a little bit back for yourself, but you do need to debrief. Often you need to talk to somebody who you trust you don't just like them, you trust them to keep it, and you have this thing, I can talk to you and you talk to me, it's off a record, we'll not mention it to anybody, and you believe in that. So you ask them, did you, can, was it true what they said in that meeting? I don't know, what, what, what bit did you get? I got this from that, oh yeah, yeah, I got this. And you compare notes. It's important to be able to do it because sometimes you can't do it in a group of people. And if you walk off and you don't debrief and you don't know what was going on and you act on it, you could end up working really hard on the wrong stuff and looking twice as bad in the next meeting because nobody else took the same conclusions from it as you did. Next up, let's see how that gets heightened when we go to a live panel discussion. Now, a live panel discussion is with an audience in front of you. Sometimes it's hybrid, so it's going out and getting streamed at, online at the same time. But usually there's a couple of chairs, there's a couple of people there. Could be anything from um, three to three to six people usually on stage. I've seen it with more people than that, but it's really hard to look after because everybody has to have their say, and there's just too many moving pieces for an audience. Ideally, it's one to four. So you're there, I'm gonna say not starting at three, if there's two people on the stage, it's an interview. If there's three people, it's a panel. Are you with me? Good, okay. So that's what a panel will look like, and so the audience are watching, and what are they thinking? I'm gonna split this up actually into two parts. What the audience is thinking, what your other panel members are thinking. 
So the audience is thinking, when you've got a live on-stage event with a panel, what's in it for me? The classic thing I keep mentioning, they're saying, why are we here? What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of watching this panel? Apart from they might be fun, or they might fight each other, or there might be some insights. Then they're looking at what's a group dynamic. Now, the audience generally doesn't move. The audience is the same as an audience at home. They're just watching and staring. Sometimes they interact, but most of the time they don't. But they're looking at the people on stage and wondering what the group uh, dynamic is amongst those people. Because the group dynamic is really specific. Who's important? Who's the alpha? Now, I'm not saying you have to be alpha to be important. Some people are supporters. Some people are very quiet, but thinking. But the alpha is the one that tends to get the lion's share of the conversations. And it could be the difference between everyone saying, yeah, that was great, or everyone saying that was really annoying. But also, as you're doing that, the audience is thinking this. What am I learning from all this? What do I take away? What do I get that I can actually do something constructive with? Is it just an ego bun fight between people who have got different opinions? And am I just, if I walk away, will they still carry on arguing? If that's the case, and I'm bored now, I want to go. And then that question heightens up. Should I actually leave? And if you're wondering about whether they're thinking that at the very end, no, they're thinking that from the very beginning, from the moment they sit down. If they're sitting down amongst people they don't like, or they've got a bad seat, or the fact that they're too close to the front, or too close to the back, or near the fire exits, or people keep going to the bathroom, they're going to be thinking, should I leave? And as they're thinking, should I leave? Some people may just do that. And if you're on stage watching and they leave, you're thinking, have I done something wrong? Might not be you. Might be you, might not be you. And also post-mortem in the experience. Now they may post-mortem the experience by actually asking questions. They might do it by talking to their friends. They might do it over a coffee break or a bathroom break or whatever it would take when they get a chance to talk to people who witnessed it as well. Or they might do it on social media. More and more people nowadays are post-morteming live events on social media. They take some pictures and they say some insights. Generally, in a corporate stage, you'll be kind to everybody involved in it. Um, not so much when they paid for a ticket, but sometimes they rip into everybody and say, that was rubbish, I wish I hadn't gone. You need to be aware of that because it's kind of something that can catch up. Okay, next thing is what are they thinking from the terms of the panelists? So you're on a panel and you're amongst the other panelists. Every panelist is thinking, what's in it for me? Why am I here? Why am I in the lion's den? Everybody's staring at me. I'm leaving myself so because there's another four people on stage plus a question master, I'm going to get a quarter of the kudos that I would have got if I was actually part of my own keynote. And I took the whole time for myself to share what I wanted to share. But if we do it all too well and we're really good at it, then our collective thing can work really well because people say that was an amazing panel. So that's why they're there. And sometimes they do it because they have a fear of public speaking themselves, but they don't mind answering questions. All right, next up, what's the group dynamic between us? Who's higher status than me? Who's better at speaking? You can be really low status on a panel with managing directors of other firms and you just happen to be a journalist or an industry expert or you're starting off as a salesperson, but you're so good at talking about your subject and you answer your questions really well and you've got audience rapport that people warm to you and you become the instant alpha even if you're not in terms of earnings and status. So the group dynamic is important for you to know. 
When you speak, is my message clear? Is everything I'm sharing with the audience coming across the right way? Or are people saying, I've got no idea what that means? You need to be able to check. Sometimes the best way to check is to know audiences and how they work and you get to nod. And if they're nodding back, they get it. Or you say, is that clear? Does everybody understand it? Sometimes you'll be in a situation where the organizer or the question master will quiz you on something you just said. I'm not sure about that. Could you do it again? Could you explain what you means? But mean by that, and sometimes they don't do it. Sometimes they just leave it exactly where it is and leave you hanging. And that's never good. All right, next up, am I winning? Am I winning the battle? It's a beauty pageant between you and the other people on stage. Not always, you're in a team together, but to the people in the audience, their eyes and ears will be focused on who's gonna give me the most content that matters that I can then turn into something. So that is like a beauty pageant. If you're quiet and you say nothing, you're not winning unless everyone else is saying such ridiculous stuff. Sometimes less is more. But less is more most of the times as long as you can focus in on what's going to be the most effective way of telling people what they need to know. Next, how can I add more? So people are answering incredible questions with great answers and you're the last person to be able to speak. How do I add more? Now we'll do something on panels in the future, but how can I add more? Might be that you add something on top of what the person said before you and that positions you really well as an expert on all their subjects because you know, yeah, yeah, that's all good. But I would also say this about what they said, which people go, yeah, wow, you, you're, you're the queen or the king of everything. But then again, who's gonna buy my stuff? And if you think that's being mercenary, it's not. Because if you're on a stage to talk to people, you've got to think to yourself, why am I there? Am I there to sell me, sell my stuff, follow up the meeting afterwards? If you're not there for reasons like this, and you're there just to be seen, which is good as well, you know, then you're seen to be promoted, to get connected, so you can position yourself for your brand. If you don't know what you're doing there, why are you there? Because being on a panel can be challenging. And if you get it wrong, you don't know what you're doing, you could end up with less of a brand than you had when you first started off. I hope this makes sense to you, by the way, because ultimately what you're looking for is for the audience to love you and start doing business with you and saying, wow, this is fantastic. If you get it right, then it works out really well. So this is an audience, as you can see there. What is the audience thinking? The audience are thinking, what's in it for me? Am I in the right spot? As in, am I sitting in the right place? Uh, or is somebody blocking me? Am I getting value for my money, for my ticket, for my seat, for the time I'm spending at this event? Am I better going somewhere else? If so, should I leave? And also, how can I get more? Should I connect with the people? Should I follow them on social media? Should I wait until the very end and see them get a selfie? Set up a meeting? Are they too high status for me for that? Or do I get onto the organizers of the event to be able to get more? Or if we're gonna buy something at the end of, a, end of his or her session, should I get myself ready to be at the back of the room to get a signed copy of the book? Because they're only gonna sign so many. How can I get more? And what did I miss while I'm here? That sounds a ridiculous thing to say, but everyone's thinking it. If you're there for a full day's conference, you're thinking, and then you find out when you got home that something really important happened at work or in your personal life, family life, you say, oh, I could have left, why didn't you tell me? It does go through the back of your head. Even though you're engaged and you're thinking, when you get a break, you're still thinking, did I miss on something else? The fear of missing out, FOMO, it's a big thing, you should Google it. And so that's what audiences are thinking, it's kind of important. So a stage often looks like this. Certainly with red curtains, if you're doing it in a theater, they tend to be red. Don't ask me why they're red. Sure, there's a really classical reason usually to do with red or to, to do with blood or to bring up the cheeks, I, I, look, I don't know. Rosy cheeks, I'm guessing, not the other, um, yeah. 
excuse me but uh, what the stage looks like has a ton of different things so that's a split if you can see this of a stage so you've got the bit where the audience is and the bit behind the scenes i want to share with you as a final part of this what the organizers are thinking they're the ones who are looking first of all at the front of the stage they're looking out onto you they're sometimes behind the stage but in the front but they're only thinking about will this work and how will my next gig be based on the fact that this was a success and everybody wants to work with me again and sponsor me? They're thinking, have I set everything right? Is it all in place? Because once it's started, they can't do much about it. They can tweak, they can shout at people, but the audience is sitting down. The best thing they can do is stand back and talk to their sponsors to keep them happy. So there we go. Are my bosses happy? Are the sponsors happy? Are all the people who are contributing towards me being there and hiring my services pleased with it? Because if they're not pleased with it, the event goes really well, they'll never hire you, hire you again. So you need to make sure that's the truth. Is my act delivering what they said? Remember I talked about this in many episodes. It's not about what you do when you're a speaker. They don't care. They probably don't even watch your show reel. They just need to know that you can deliver to make them look good. And if that's the answer, yes, they'll go and bring you back again and talk to other people. How can I tweak my results? How can I fix it in real time and make it even better? That's really important to them. And they're thinking about it all the time. Not just sitting there. And sometimes they make radical, weird choices. Like turn the microphone right up so everyone can hear it. No, it's too loud. I'll turn the lights right up. I'll turn them down. Or I'll stop early. Or turn the heat up so people get more sweaty. Or turn the turn the heat down so the air conditioning is really strong so people end up paying more attention and stop falling asleep. Lots of tweaks all the way through. Am I looking good too? I know it sounds vain and ridiculous, but every single event manager is thinking, how does this impact for me? In fact, I've even had event managers, and you see them at fashion shows. Who normally got the, when you've got a fashion show, then you've got the fashionista who, who designed all the stuff coming on and the models bring them on and they bow and all the rest of it. I've seen it happen when event managers come on and take a bow and thank everybody for being there. And I'm the host. They should be invisible. But sometimes they see themselves as celebrities and that's what they do. And it's really hard to work with that because the dynamic gets messed up. You're no longer in charge of the room. You're in charge of whatever the boss leaves you. And if they do a bad imp impression on the people in front of you, you can't complain. You can't say anything. You've got to be straight with it. Otherwise, you won't get another gig with them. And sometimes, on occasion, it's best to just be honest with your audience and just not get another gig with them. And last but not least, uh, this question. Would I do it all again? Would I do the same again? That's what the organizers are thinking. This was a pain, or this was great, or this was a challenge. Should I do it again? Yeah, it was a rush. Let's do it. Not always are they thinking that, but sometimes they do. Next up, what is the stage crew thinking? These are the guys that are hired in to do sound and light. It often includes the showrunner as well, but they're the behind-the-scenes people that make everything happen. Have I set everything right? Of course they're thinking that. Then they're thinking, is the sound right? Is the lighting right? Can they see the artist on stage? Is it bright enough? Is it dark enough in the audience? By the way, in case you didn't know, when you're on stage and you're talking to an audience, usually you can't see the audience at all because the floodlights are on your face and you're just hoping that the audience is still in there. That's why it's important for you to be able to go and see a set of a, a stage before you go on stage so you know how many people are in there, how full it is, and you can imagine who's at the front, who's at the back, and just in case people come in, while you're speaking, it doesn't disrupt you because you're aware of what happens with the audience. Next question is this. What needs fixing? They're constantly running about climbing up scaffolding. If a light bulb goes, it may fix it in the middle of a set or they may uh, fix it during a break. 
But always thinking about how we can make things work for incredible people to sound like guys. Also, what's next on the schedule? They've got it in front of them. Right next to it is this. Have we got the lights in place? Have we got the music queued? Have we got the microphones ready for the guys? Are they mic'd up or ready to go there? Are they behind the stage waiting? Sit them there. Don't let them talk until it's time for them to come out. And then I'll give you a three, two, one countdown. That's typical for being behind stage. And then also this. When can I go home? That's what they're thinking. I know it sounds terrible, but you're being paid. Yeah, but they're not being paid the same way as everybody else. They leave when the last person leaves. They have to dismantle the scaffolding, put away the lights, get everything into trucks or into planes or whatever it is, and they do it long after people have clapped and gone. So they are thinking, when can I go home? When can I get on with this? When can I do this? Because often they've got to get stuff out of there because there's another event happening later that day or the next morning. So therefore, you can sometimes find sound and light guys working at 3 o'clock in the morning, dismantling stages, so we can have another stage in place for somebody else, for their gig coming up. You don't know that because you just turn up and go, but I promise you, especially when you go and see a band. The band might have a whole show in a different city, five hours drive away. So the band set off, the guys have got to dismantle it and get there and set it all up again. And they have to do it because they haven't got two sets of gear to put one in place and one somewhere else. The same gear. So you've got to consider how that works. So that's kind of how it all comes together. I'd love to know your thoughts and comments, by the way, because I hope this is working for you as an insight into what's going on in your audiences. So therefore, you won't be scared of them anymore. And you'll be able to think, that's brilliant. I know what I could be doing. I know what I should be doing. And I know how to get this just right. And always, uh, as I mentioned before, when you get an audience right, this is what happens. Thank you, thank you. Oh, yes. You guys are crazy. I love you. Oh, don't, don't, don't ever stop. It's fantastic. I love it seeing you clapping and enjoying me being there and all the stuff that goes with it. But now you should stop. Any questions you've got, by the way, feel free to send them by email or through the social media platform you're on. As always, I'll get through them as much as I possibly can. Our final part for today, well, we might do a Q&A, might do a question as well, is how to get a win. I'll go through this very quickly with you because every speaker knows the importance of getting a win out of every gig. I've already mentioned all the different mouths to feed, all the different people that have their opinions on what they want out of it. But the speaker, his or her job is to make sure that they also make sure that the people that you're looking after get it. Does it matter if a speaker gets what they want out of it? Not so much. The speaker's there and we should have it built in, but also they get paid. And if you're not getting paid, you get some kind of barter or marketing or branding out of it. So that's what they're thinking. But they're also thinking about this. I need to get a win. What does a win quantify? What do I have to achieve? What do I have to get out of this to make it a win? Also, who's my audience? Now, depending on the different venue, as we've gone through in the earlier part of the show, you know who your audience is. What do they want? What will quantify a win? A round of applause at the end? People coming up and buying stuff from me? What percentage of the audience do I want to convert? Or do I get another booking from the, from the client? Or do the sponsors saying they're happy work? Or is a round of applause because it's a really tough audience? They need to know, you need to know what to win. And what if something goes wrong? Sometimes things do go wrong and you're not even sure how to deal with it. What will be a win? If something goes wrong, how can I work around it? And you work it out. Sound, light, um, audience. Um, I've done gigs, for instance. I did a gig in South Africa when I was doing my hypnosis shows. First one in South Africa at Caesars Palace in Johannesburg. I go on, great gig. I've got about 
400 people in the theatre and I've got 10 people on stage hypnotised doing crazy stuff everybody's loving the show and then we had a power cut this is true so the power goes off I'm in pitch darkness with a room full of people because it's my first show a large amount of our media people invited to come along and see the stage hypnotist who's just come to South Africa so I've got to impress them so I'm looking across at the wings I'm, I'm going like this what's happening I say keep talking keep talking now the problem is you can't talk to the audience when you're doing this because well you can talk to the audience but you can't do any show stuff because it's pitch black you can't get any effects you can't get anyone to stand up because if they fall over they're going to break their legs or ankles because they're in pitch darkness plus also a lot of the stuff in the stage hypnosis show is visual you see people that you know doing crazy stuff if you can't see them then it's just like somebody acting so therefore I start talking to the audience and just saying this is a challenge and so on and after about 10 minutes of doing this I look across and the guys in the wings who've got their phones on because that's why I can see their faces like that so I think okay back to basics how do I fix this well I'm looking around I'm thinking I'm in a theater and even though I've got a microphone which isn't working the people can probably still hear me so I thought I'll ask them can you hear me at the back yes we can because of course when you've got a theatre show in there not everyone's walking around with, um, with microphones you've got to get the acoustics right so I thought okay maybe what I'll do is I'll do a demonstration of future pacing and guided meditation which I call the dream experience I said okay everybody what we're going to do is I'm going to I don't know how long the power's going to be off but I'm going to give you an experience of what everyone on stage is going through I said take a big deep breath and close your eyes and drop the entire audience into trans states all 400 of them including the guys on stage who were out of it anyway and I took them on a journey to see their relationships get better and their dream job and all the things you put when you do guided meditation and a positive visualization of things that happen in the future and then I came to about 20 minutes half an hour after that and I thought you guys have had your money's worth the lights haven't come on I might as well just wind this up so I brought them all out of it and what's called uh, the emergence, when you bring them out of hypnosis, I got them to get to the count of 10 and then turn their phones on, illuminate the entire room and start clapping. So we did that. Nine, open your eyes. Ten, uh, give yourselves a round of applause. Everyone's clapping. So all the people in trans states, even the ones on stage, snapped out of it and everyone's clapping. I said, OK, make your way home and have a wonderful night. They walked out the room. They opened up the doors and light came in. Why? Because these guys know that when they're running a casino um, complex, um, that the gaming areas are more important than the theatres, more important than the restaurants. So they've got their own generators to make sure that people are still spending money. So for the people on the outside of the theatre, there was no power cut. For our people, four hours later, the power came on. I didn't know that this happens apparently quite a lot in Joburg, or certainly did 10, 15 years ago in those days uh, and people were used to it they were saying oh yeah Dave that's normal nobody told Muggins didn't tell me so I had to get my way around it but my point is sometimes things go wrong and you have to be able to work out what creates a win out of it and in that case it worked out really well because people said I really enjoyed that whole experience okay so with that being said as I've always said jump and grow wings on the way down whatever your challenges do it in real life ask yourself what's the worst thing that could happen and if that does happen say so what it happens it's part of life and it won't usually be that bad so I know in the future if I ever have a power cut I can talk to the audience and deliver something that's going to make them happy alright then these are the different areas I talk about when it comes to speaking on stage 
These are the areas that we've got as our online speaking training. If you're interested in that, go to Speak On Stage. You can actually go through this with a set of videos and also interact with me as you do it. How to overcome a fear of public speaking, how to warm up before speaking, train audiences, close a room, get the body language right, how to do small talk, how to host any events, how to look after panels, how to fix any problems and how to also make an online impression. Because nowadays you can't just be going on stage and speaking. You've got to be thinking about the social media and the streaming and the opportunities to speak on Zoom and conference calls as well. All that and more as part of the stuff that comes on in the future. Now, if you enjoyed this session, and I really hope you have enjoyed it, then what I'd love you to do is follow and subscribe on all platforms. Find me on YouTube, connect with me on LinkedIn, and also uh, I'm available on many other things. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and so on. On Twitter, by the way, I'm, I'm the life designer, which was a uh, what I was before when I was a more of a life coach. Okay, so with that being said, Q&A. So I'll give you one question and then we'll call it a day because then we're going on to 45 minutes, which is over the half an hour I plan to do, but hopefully you've got enough joy and excitement and value out of the show. It was worth it. It wasn't, Dave. Shut up. It was. No, it wasn't. Shut up. Stop arguing with yourself. Okay. A question for today um, is this one. So, what should I be talking about? This is from Holly Babin uh, from Auckland in New Zealand. What should you be talking about? It's a good question, Holly. Um, what do you want to talk about? Here, here's, here's the way I would look at this particular question, okay? So, you're wondering what you should be talking about on stage when you're putting together your keynote speech. Think about a couple of things. I've mentioned and alluded to this before when I talked about what the audience wants out of this. The audience are thinking, what's in it for me? And as the audience are thinking, what's in it for me? They're thinking, oh, if this person in front of me is going to share with me all I need, then I'm happy. I can go away, start making money, start saving money, start connecting, growing my wealth, my health, my lifespan will go on. Whatever it is your particular given subject is about. Your only job is to make sure that you think what's in it for them. So talk about stuff that makes them more successful. Don't talk about you or do that to establish credibility at the very beginning. And I showed you at the beginning of today's show how I played that video so people could see I know what I'm talking about. And once I'd done that, I didn't spend any more time talking about who I am and what I do because the video had taken care of that. And then I only spent my time talking about the stuff that they could do as a takeaway when they left the, the uh, went back to the office or left the building or got straight on their phone and started ordering things or, 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 or connecting with their colleagues and clients. You should only be talking about what's in it for them from a position of expertise. That's who you are. You're an expert in your subject. Now, if you're a stand-up comedian and all the rest of it, that's different. This is talking about when you're an expert talking about your industry or talking about your niche. In my opinion, that's what you really need to do. And you might not get it right, but it's all learning curve. I've mentioned this many times before. It's a suck it and see exercise. Jump and grow wings on the way down and learn from the mistakes as you go along too. All right then, if you want to ask me any questions in the future, feel free to get onto info at davecraneglobal.com and I will answer your questions as they come. Uh, and as always, it's a pleasure being here. Make sure that if you want an intense experience of working with me directly and mentoring, you check out the Industry Icon program at theindustryicon.com or connect with me directly and I'll give you some contacts and details about how we can do that. We'll give have a complimentary chat and also we've got the Industry uh, Icon online coming. Plus, as well as the online course, uh, I'm now traveling around the world um, sharing this with business owners and so on. If you are organizing events 
uh, and you're thinking, actually, we could do with this before a group group of entrepreneurs or our, our graduates or people who want to position themselves as the best in their niche, then have a chat with me directly. Contact me through my social media or go to speakonstage.com and I'll happily set up a chat about your events so we can get the very best for your audience, engaging and taking them to a higher level. So with that, I think I need to tell you about the next episode. Uh, uh, I've already shown this to you, the QR code. Take a quick screenshot Press on that and you get your book. I talked about this at the very beginning. I'll give you another countdown for this. Three, two, one, and, and, and it's gone. Okay, by the way, if you're watching it, and that's fine, but if you're listening to it, you're bored, stupid now, saying, Dave, just put it in the comments. Our next episode is how do you get started as a speaker? What do you do? What kind of content should you make? And I'll, I'll elaborate what I talked about there and the kind of things that you do once you've profiled who your audience is. I look forward to sharing that with you. As always, I love your thoughts, your comments, where you are. Follow and subscribe. And it's an absolute honor to be here with you. I look forward to talking with you soon. Keep an eye out for Speak on Stage with me, Dave Crane, and I'll catch you on a future episode. Meanwhile, look after yourself. Have a great day and catch up with the future episodes. They're all there and the old ones are there too. Thank you. Goodbye. And that's it for today's podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure having you here with me. If you go to speakonstage.com, everything you need will be there. You get access to my blog. You get past and present podcasts. Find out about the events that are upcoming. And also, you could join the Game Changers and join our global community, our membership. We're changing the world. Similarly, if you really want to push your brand and get speaking gigs all around the world, then you've got to become an industry icon. Book a session with me, we'll have a chat about it, and you can get our online courses to become an amazing speaker and also position yourself as the very best in your niche. I look forward to catching you soon on another podcast. Meanwhile, have an amazing day.